Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts, and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel at Houghton. Today is Tuesday, February 16th. I'm glad to talk to you this week about the theme of repentance. And um, that's because the season of Lent will start this week. In fact, tomorrow with Ash Wednesday. Today is traditionally known as Shrove Tuesday or Fat Tuesday, a day to um, uh, kind of enjoy one last day of feasting before the fast of Lent begins. Just because of the rhythm of our year and the way that I have a theme for us each week, though, we focus on repentance. So um, you'll do some thinking about repentance with me, but if you go and feast afterward and have the traditional pancakes or um, there are many different ethnicities in the world that have kind of a special feast that they celebrate on these days. So I hope that you have that after taking a few minutes to think about repentance with me. Um, as always, three texts for today. Psalm 104, 24 to 35, 1 Kings 8, 44 to 53, and 2 Corinthians 5, or sorry, 7, 5 to 13a, the beginning of verse 13. And uh, it's that that I'd like to read for you today. Uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'll begin in verse 5. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was consoled about you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly. Now I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. I'd like to think with you a little bit about godly grief, godly sorrow, other translations call it. The idea that godly grief produces repentance, and worldly grief produces death. That's a very challenging verse there in verse 10. And I think what's so very vital, uh, well, let me back up. I think the thing that's really crucial to say first is that we kind of pathologize sadness, at least in American culture. Um, we don't think of feeling sad as, as ever really having a purpose. Um, and I know sometimes... Um, Sometimes when students talk to me about feeling depressed, um, and, and certainly I want to be very clear that we that I take mental illness very seriously when students say it, but there are times when students kind of report depression where I think, no, it's quite logical that you would be sad right now. Like you've, you've, you're encountering something that is undoubtedly sad, and feeling grief as a response is logical. It's not, it's not wrong for you to feel grief about this thing that we're talking about. Um, it's, a, it's a really sad thing. Uh, and so uh, 
I think sometimes we don't quite know what to do with grief and we, we don't, we don't uh, acknowledge it as a real thing or really important. The idea that I might be grieved by something in a godly way uh, is really an interesting idea. And, and I love the idea of godly grief leading to repentance. Um, in, a, in a way, it sounds kind of preachy to say that um, because we think, uh, you know, I should just be able to be sad without feeling like it's my fault or feeling there's something my fault that's making me sad. And of course, we want to be honest about what's really our fault in a given situation. But what's really actually very liberating about this text is the idea that godly grief helps us to realize, oh, there is something I can or should be doing differently as a response to the thing that I'm feeling now. Again, the thing that makes us sad might not always be something that's directly our fault. But often there's a way that we can approach the things that make us sad and say, you know what? Now that I'm seeing this through God's lenses, now that I'm able to see this as God sees it, I'm seeing that if I, if I just were to sort of do something a little bit differently, it might change the situation. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Repentance is not included in the text just as a way of making us feel bad. Repentance is, is there to, sh to kind of demonstrate a kind of agency, right? When the Corinthians realize that they're sad at what Paul has read, there's something they, or what Paul said to them, there is something they can do about it. They can repent. They can change. The fact that they can change will have a genuine impact on themselves and on the world around them. And often we don't really feel like that when we bump up against grief. Like often when we bump up against grief, we feel like there's nothing I can do. It just is what it is. All I can do is kind of live through it, but I, I have no options. There's nothing I can do. And that's, you know, that's kind of reflected there as well in, in the second part of verse 10, right? Worldly grief produces death, not just a kind of like disappearance, but also a sense of when, when I'm grieving in a worldly way, I can only see, uh, I can only feel passive. I, I, things can only be done to me. There's nothing I can do. Repentance is actually a very powerful instrument, and sometimes we, we, we talk about repentance as if, you know, it's something you should do. It's, tremendous, it's a tremendously powerful thing to be able to look clearly with uh, open eyes at your own actions and say, I would like to do something different. Empowered by God's Spirit, I have the capacity to act different right now, as opposed to someone who thinks, there's nothing I can do. This is just how the way things are. And I think that's what Paul is trying to, to say in this, right? The Corinthians have a chance. Uh, the Corinthians have a chance to, uh, to, to repent, to, to move on, to do something different than before, as opposed to just kind of withering under the pressure and saying, you know what? It is what it is. So uh, I think the idea of godly grief is more than just, uh, it's more than just kind of grieving with Jesus and remembering it's not so bad. It's remembering you can do something in the middle of it. You can change. God, there are times in our lives where we uh, push that message away. There are times um, when we, we don't want to own the agency we have. There are times when we do not want to be made well, and you would heal us. So we pray, God, that you would uh, speak to us and help us to know your deep love for us so that we can acknowledge the things in our lives that need repentance 
and acknowledge the joy that you have given us the grace to see these things and to make changes. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, I look forward to joining you again tomorrow. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.